So have you ever been somewhere and the darkness is just pervasive? You've been somewhere and whether it's, you know, you're, you're, you're in a bedroom or a closet, the lights are out, but it's night outside and, and you're just, it's really dark and you can't see your, your hand in front of your face, but your eyes begin to kind of adjust to that environment that you're in because it's really not ultimate blackness, not ultimate darkness. But there's something that happens in that moment when you're in this pervasive darkness. You know, there's a sense of, if you're not careful, a sense of panic can kind of start to come over you. When we were at staff meeting this uh, last week on Tuesday, what we do is, and one of the things we do with the, the elders and the pastors when we get together for staff meeting, we discuss the text we're going to be looking at wherever we're at in the book of John or whatever message we're going to be preaching. And if it's me preaching or whoever's preaching that week, we'll discuss, hey, here's what the word says. What do we think about it? We'll bounce ideas back and forth. And Brother Scott Roden, one of the elders here at Living Word, he was in the staff meeting last Tuesday. And he talked about a trip he took to Ruby Falls. Who's ever been to Ruby Falls? Have you been in the caves in Ruby Falls? So apparently you get really far down underground in these caves and he said he's on a tour of Ruby Falls and he's got a you know, group of people with, you, with him, maybe 15, 20 people, and they're on a tour. And then the lights go out. So you're already, how many feet are you underground, Scott? Almost a mile underground. And the lights go out. And he said, to explain it, it's really difficult. He said, but it was just pervasive darkness. It's like it just clothed you like you 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 could not adjust to the light to the darkness to see anything you know 10 seconds passed 20 seconds passed 30 seconds passed a minute passes panic begins to kind of stir amongst the crowd and so you know somebody's you know trying to figure out what's going on and and so Scott's telling the story and he says that they could kind of sense that this is not really good right now and so some of the men in the room begin to, in the cave, begin to say, okay, 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 put your hand on the shoulder of the person next to you. Just for that sense of comfort that, that you kind of, you don't know where you are, you could feel disoriented, put your hand on the shoulder of the person that's next to you. Get that sense of peace. And then down the, down the corridors of the cave came the light. And it was interesting, Scott said that, that for those who were maybe hidden behind somebody else and they didn't necessarily see the light, the ones that were in front could see the light and it was like instant hope because the light was coming. The ones that were behind still couldn't see the light, but, but down the corridors of the cave came walking the light. And the, the light was a person that was holding a flashlight, right? The light that was coming. And I, I introduced this message about Jesus being the light of the world because Jesus in this account in John 8, 12, he is making one of his, the second of his seven declarations, his I am declarations, his I am statements, and he boldly declares that he is the light of the world. He is the light of the world, and all throughout scripture, God has revealed himself as light. We can look through all, all the scripture, Old Testament, throughout the New Testament, we see the imagery of God being light, being brightness, the, the brightness of his glory, you remember Moses asked God, said, God, show me your glory. And God says, you know, I'm not going to be able to show you the full radiance of my glory. I'm going to hide you in the cleft of a rock, and I'm going to show you just a portion of who I am, the essence of who I am, the brightness of my glory. And what happened to Moses? 
He came down to talk to the people after he had seen the glory of God and his face was reflecting the glory of God. It was so bright that it terrified the people. They had to put a sack over his head, right? And so seeing the glory of God, it's brightness. I, I love what Wayne Grudem says about the glory of God, the, the brightness of God, the, the, the light of God. He says this, it is very appropriate that God's revelation of himself should be accompanied by such splendor and brightness. For this glory of God is the visible manifestation of the excellence of God's character. The greatness of God's being, the perfection of all his attributes is something that we can never fully comprehend, but before which we can only stand in awe and worship. The brightness of his glory, bright light. So in our text today, let's look at John 8, 12. Jesus makes this bold declaration. One verse, again, Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. The main point of this message in one concise sentence, the main theme of this message, if you, if you only get one point of this message, here's what the point would be. Jesus is the light of the world and following him changes everything. Jesus is the light of the world and following him changes everything. That's the point of this message. So Jesus, just to orient us to, to where we are, we had the message last week of the woman caught in adultery and I talked to you last week about how that account is kind of pushed into the middle of this conversation that Jesus is having with the Pharisees in the temple. It's kind of out of place in John chapter, John chapter eight. But so we're gonna see here, we're picking up right where Jesus left off in, in John seven, verse 52, verse 53, right? And so we're picking up, he's, it's at the Feast of Tabernacles, the Feast of Booths, which, which was a celebration of Jesus uh, uh, sustaining the children of Israel, his people, in the wilderness for 40 years. And so every year at the Feast of Tabernacles, they, the, the children of Israel would celebrate that they, they lived in tents and tabernacles and booths and tents for 40 years, but God sustained them with living water. God sustained them with bread. God sustained them with light. God sustained them. They, it even says their, their shoes as the kids got older, their shoes grew with their feet. Isn't that amazing? They didn't have to work for their food. God rained it down from heaven. And so they celebrated this every year. And Jesus is declaring, he had just declared two weeks ago, we saw, he said, I am living water. Whoever thirst, come to me. He says, I am living water. And that was a part of the ceremony where they would, they would celebrate that. And they would take water from a pool and they would pour it over the altar. They would celebrate the living water. And then another part of the Feast of Tabernacles is to, 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 light, to light these candles in the tabernacle, to celebrate, to commemorate that, G, that, that, that God sustained them with light, a pillar of a, a cloud by day and a, a pillar of fire by night. And so this is, the, this is the commemoration. This is the celebration. And Jesus, in the middle of that celebration, he says, I want you to understand who I am. I am living water. Yes, God gave you water through a rock, but come to me, I have eternal satisfaction. And yes, God led you by a cloud by night, and a, a cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night, but I am the light of the world. As these candles are being lit, don't, don't get confused about what's happening here. I am the light of the world. Jesus is declaring that he is the light of the world. Doesn't that remind you of John 1? 
verses 1 through 3, when we started in the, the book of John, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning, and all things were made through him, and without him was nothing made that was made. Jesus is saying, he's saying, I am eternal. I am the light of the world. I am eternal. I am the word that was in the beginning. I am the, the word that was in the beginning that created all things. I am the eternal God, the light of the world. You remember in Genesis chapter 1, verse 3, it says, and God said, let there be light, and there was there was light. Who was the light? It was God. It was, it was Christ. Christ was the light. This is before the sun, the moon, and the stars were created. In the beginning, in the beginning, God said, let there be light. And who was the light? It was the radiance of the glory of Christ, that creation. And you also see, you see in creation, but you see in the end, in the culmination of the ages, in the New Jerusalem, what do we see in Revelation 21? Who is the light? And I saw, no, I saw in the New Jerusalem, I saw no temple in the city for its temple. This is Revelation chapter 21. Its temple is the Lord God, the Almighty, and the Lamb. And the city has no need of sun or moon to shine on it, for the glory of God gives its light. And its lamp is the, is the Lamb. Who's the light? Jesus says, I'm the light of the world. You're looking at these candles, look to me. Its lamp is the lamb. By its light will the nations walk and the kings of the earth will bring their glory into it and his gates will never shut by day and there will be no night there. Amen. Jesus is declaring this during the, this celebration. He's saying, I am the light. I am the light. You remember, I talked about the, the pillar of fire, Exodus 13, and the Lord uh, went before them by day in a pillar of cloud to lead them along the way, and by night a pillar of fire giving them light. Jesus is saying, make no mistake, I am that light. I am the light of the world. Don't be confused. I'm living water. I am light. And then Jesus switches. So he says to them, he declares, I am the light of the world. Then he says this. He says, whoever or whosoever. And he's going to make a declaration, and, and that's going to be the bulk of the message we're going to look at. But he says this. He says, whoever. I am the light of the world, and whoever, and I, I love, just a little side note on whoever, I, the word whoever, I, I love what Charles Spurgeon says about whoever or whosoever. Charles Spurgeon says, until God gives me the roll call of the elect, I shall continue preaching the whosoever will gospel. That is the gospel we are to preach today, whoever. This is what Jesus declared. He said, I'm the light of the world, I am living water, whoever, whoever, whoever what? Whoever what? Look back to the text. Again, Jesus said to them, I am the light of the world. Whoever does what? Follows me. Whoever follows me. So the question we're going to ask today is, is what happens when you follow Jesus? Jesus is the light of the world. He is living water. He's the light. And he makes a bold declaration here in the temple at the Feast of Tabernacles. He says, I'm the light. Whosoever, anyone, everyone, if you will follow me, what will happen? What happens? That's the question we're going to answer. What happens when we follow Jesus? Three things that Jesus says from the second half of verse 12. We're really only going to look at a half of one verse here today. And you, and you think, how can I get a lot out of one, half of one verse? We're going to squeeze it all out for the next 40 minutes. Here we go. What happens when you follow Jesus? First thing, following Jesus turns on the light. 
following Jesus turns on the light. Again, Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness. Will not walk in darkness. What happens when you follow Jesus? The light comes on and you will not walk in darkness. You know, the, the word darkness here has the meaning not just of a lack of illumination. It's true that you know, when it's dark, you turn on the light. But Jesus is not talking about physical light here. He's talking about something spiritual. And he's saying, whoever will follow me, they will not walk in darkness. And darkness is it's pointing to the reality of an evil world system. It's pointing to the reality of sin and its consequences. It's pointing to the reality of a spiritual truth of those that are a part of the kingdom of light or those that are part of the kingdom of darkness. And Jesus says, if you will follow him, the light comes on. You begin to see clearly. You know, Ephesians 2 tells us this, speaking to this reality that Jesus is speaking of about darkness. This is the Apostle Paul. He says, and you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sun's of disobedience, you see that in Ephesians 2? If you follow the spirit of the age, if you follow the kingdom of darkness, if you follow, you're gonna be dead in your trespasses and sins. Jesus says, if you will follow me, you will not walk in darkness. The light will come on. You will begin to see things differently. Jesus is saying, whoever will follow me will no longer be stumbling along in the darkness of this evil world system. You know what Jesus is saying here? He's declaring an objective reality for everyone that is a believer in Jesus Christ. And the objective reality is this, and this is what I'm getting at in this first point, is that we are not stumbling around as Christians looking for meaning and purpose anymore because the light has come on. The light has come on. We are able to see correctly. The prophet Isaiah spoke about this, about those who would walk in darkness. Isaiah Chapter 9, that Pastor Brian read earlier, the people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in the land of deep darkness, on them has light shown. This is speaking the prophet Isaiah prophesying about the Christ that was to come. They dwelled in deep darkness, and on them a light has shown, for to us a child is born. Jesus says, I'm the light of the world. If you will follow me, Light will shine into your darkness. The light will come on. The prophet says later, Isaiah 59, he speaks to those who have abandoned God. He says, therefore, justice is far from us and righteousness does not overtake us. We hope for light. We hope for light. Isn't this the world? They hope for light. They hope for peace. They hope for purpose in life. We hope for light, but behold, darkness. And for brightness, we walk in gloom. Look around the world today. This is what the world looks like. We grope for the wall. Verse 10, we grope for the wall like the blind. We grope like those who have no eyes. We stumble at noon as in the twilight. Among those in full vigor, we are like dead men. This is the picture of those that do not have Christ. It's this sense at the core of who we are as humanity. That we're looking for meaning, we're looking for purpose. We're wanting to know why am I here? Why, why do I exist? What is the purpose for my life? Jesus says that if you will follow him, the light will come on. You will understand. You will know 
you will have true light that will be able to guide your life to answer the questions of life. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness. Following Jesus will turn on the light. You'll be able to see the world correctly. You'll be able to understand God correctly. You'll be able to understand yourself correctly. You know, yet there are so many false views in the world today about who we are. At a base level, we, 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 we all understand that we're made in the image of God and we're intrinsically valuable and, worth, and, and worthy of protection and care and love because we're made in the image of God. But, but so many people think that they are basically good and they want to ignore the reality of sin and the sin nature and, and the evil that is pervasive in society. So many different views of who, who humanity is. But when the light comes on, you're able to see who God is, that he's holy that he's righteous, and then you're able to see who you are. And when you see who you really are, apart from Christ, you realize, wait a minute, I really don't have any hope. I, 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 I really am a sinner. And that's whenever the light of the gospel can begin to shine in and, and, and the world can begin to make sense. It makes sense. I understand it now. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness. The light comes on. It can begin to make sense. Why is the world broken the way that it is? Why is it that good, bad things happen to, to good people? What, what is happening in the world? When we come to understand who God is and we see him for who he is as creator God, the light comes on. Whoever will follow me will not walk in darkness. Have you ever tried to explain something to someone and they don't get it? You ever had that challenge before? I will never say that about you. If I'm preaching really long, just, just think it's probably because he doesn't think we get it yet. So just start nodding and smiling and don't fall asleep. We'll be good. We'll get out by 11.05. Um, but have you ever had a conversation with somebody and you just realize they just don't get it? And you're trying to explain it to them and, and if you're not careful, you can get impatient and, and, then, and then they're really not going to get it then because whoever listens to somebody who's trying to explain something and they're impatient with, with you, right? You just you shut them out. What about that, 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 that young person you're trying to talk to? Maybe it's your child and, and you're trying to convince them of some things and, and the light's just not coming on. It's just not coming on. And you're praying it comes on one day and, and by God's grace at different moments and times and raising kids, you'll see the light come on in their life. Oh, and they get something and they get something. It's like a light bulb on top of their head. Oh, they got it. They understand it. Prayerfully, when they get to be 21, 22, 23, the light bulbs just start flying on top of their heads. They just start popping all over the place, and, and they'll be able to look back and say, oh, those parents of mine were pretty smart. That's that moment. I get it. I see it. I understand it. It makes sense now. Oh, that makes sense. This is what we're talking about here this morning. If we follow God, if we submit to him and his ways, the light will come on. If we change our baseline of reality, that this world and all that we see is not a cosmic accident. We're not the result of evolution. We are the result of a creator God who made us. If we will start there, the light will begin to come on and we'll be able to begin to see the world correctly and begin to move towards the reality of the gospel of Christ. Right? Why do you think it is that a biblical Christian, not a name-only Christian, but a biblical Christian, thinks so differently about every major issue in our world today? It's because the light has come on. 
We see things differently, don't we? We see everything differently. We see our human existence differently. We see sexuality differently. We see sin differently. We see God differently. Salvation, money, work, marriage, government, politics. We see it all different. And for those who can't see it, they look at us and they think, who are these people? And they're right to believe that. Who are these people? We're different. But it's because the light has come on. I love a a Desiring God article talking about evolution, creation, the biblical reality that God is the creator, and comparing that to what atheists think about origins. So it's this, what I'm about to read, it's a little lengthy, but it's comparing atheists and it's comparing the biblical worldview of origin. So it says this, for the atheist, it'll be on the screen there for you, for the atheist, everything begins with inanimate matter and energy. It's just there. Since there was nothing there before to make it what it is, it could have been anything. Then, for billions of years, with no creator, no intelligence, no design, no purpose, no plan, there emerges from mindless, lifeless, random matter, this glorious thing called living personhood. That's their account of life. That's what you're left with. For Christians, biblical Christians, it's the other way around. First, there was life. In the beginning was the word. The word was with God and the word was God. First, there was life. Then there was physical matter and energy. First, there was living personhood, God. Then there was matter and energy. In the beginning was the word and in him was life. Wherever you turn on this planet and you see a living person, you are seeing an image of absolute reality, ultimate reality, original reality, the word who was with God and was God and was life. You see that? The light comes on. The light comes on. Following Jesus turns on the light and out of that foundation comes meaning and purpose and and hope. And hope. Our world lacks hope, don't they? Hope comes from the Creator. So, what happens when you follow Jesus? Following Jesus should change everything about how you see everything. Everything. Secondly, what's the second thing that happens when you follow Jesus? The light comes on, and then secondly, following Jesus looks like discipleship and sanctification. So, following Jesus will turn on the light. Again, Jesus spoke to them, saying, I am. The light of the world, whoever follows me will not walk in darkness. The one who follows Jesus will not walk in darkness. An objective reality, the light will come on, will begin to understand reality correctly. We are translated from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of the sun. But notice the word follow in this verse. So Jesus says, I'm the light, follow me, you won't walk in darkness. Follow me, follow, follow. What does the word follow mean? It means disciple. Means disciple. It's not. It's not just follow me. I'm going this direction. So just follow me, because I'm. You know, I'm going to lead you somewhere to a certain destination specifically. Right. That's not the only picture of that. Clearly, to follow somebody means you're following somebody. But the picture in this verse right here, when Jesus says follow me, it means to be a disciple. To be a disciple. Following Jesus means that we become a disciple of Jesus. When when Jesus called his first disciples, what did he say? Follow me. Follow me, follow me, become my, my, my disciple. And they saw him as a, as a rabbi, as a teacher, right? Follow me, learn from me, follow my ways, watch the pattern of, of my life, follow me. This is a 
disciple. I love what Table Talk magazine says about a disciple. It says to be a disciple is to be in a relationship. It is to have an intimate, instructive, and, and imitative relationship with the teacher. Consequently, being a disciple of Jesus Christ is being in relationship with Jesus. It is seeking to be like Jesus. And in other words, we follow Christ to be like Christ because as his disciples, we belong to Christ, to follow. So Jesus says, follow me. So what does it look like to follow Jesus? Following Jesus looks like discipleship and sanctification. Sanctification simply means that we are becoming more like Christ. So, so to follow Christ as Jesus is calling, clearly the light's gonna come on, but, but, it, but, but, but the light comes on so that we can see Christ for who he is so that we can be his disciple. So following Christ, this call that he's making to these people is that yes, they would be born again, but that they would enter into a relationship of discipleship with him. So notice what it says there next. It says, follow, follow me. Follow me, those who are in relationship, follow me, will not, it says now, those who are disciples, they will not walk. They will not walk in darkness. So if you're a disciple of Jesus, you will not walk in darkness. What does that word walk mean? The word walk in the Greek is the word uh, perpeteo, perpeteo. Does that sound like another word, perpeteo? What's the English word? perpetual, perpetual. those who, who, who follow me, will, there will be a perpetual nature to their walk. You will not walk, you will not have perpetual walking in darkness. What does it look like to follow Jesus? It looks like that you will be a disciple who will not perpetually walk in darkness. A disciple of Jesus will not walk in perpetual lifestyle-driven sin. And notice Jesus says, will not. He says, will not, which, which means that it's not possible. Will not be possible for a believer to walk in perpetual darkness because of what reason? Because they've been born again. Because they've been made brand new. What does 2 Corinthians 5 say? Whoever is in Christ is what? A new creation. Can a new creation act like an old creation? No, a new creation is a new creation. Christ is making a bold declaration here. He's saying that if you will follow me, you will not walk in darkness. The light will come on. You'll see the world correctly. But also, as my disciple who is walking perpetually after me and imitating me, you will not perpetually, as a lifestyle, walk in sin and darkness. It's not possible for a believer to, to do that. And if you think John and Jesus is just, where else do we see that in Scripture? This is just Jesus saying that that would be enough, right? Well, this is all over Scripture. Here's one location, John, again, in 1 John. 1 John 1, 5, listen to the word of God here. This is a message we've heard from him and proclaimed to you that God is light. God is light, and in him there is no darkness at all. Now notice, listen, if we say we have fellowship, which would be saying that if we say we're a disciple, if we say we have fellowship with him, with Christ, while we walk in darkness, we lie. Three phrases there. If we say while we walk, we lie. If we say what? That I'm a Christian while I walk perpetually in darkness, I am a, wow, welcome to church. I didn't call you a liar, though, all right, if, if, if this fits you. What, what, what are we getting at here? 
Look at, look at, it says, it says this. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say while we walk in darkness perpetually, we lie and do not practice the truth. Wow, it's profound. You know, there are a lot of people who talk a big game. You ever been around somebody that talks a big game? You ever been around the athlete that talks a big game? I used to, I used to talk a big game when, when I was playing golf regularly. I don't play golf anymore. I just gave it up, I think. I, can't, I don't have time to play golf. And so I'm not a golfer anymore. Your pastor retired. I'll pick the game up later. But there was a time where I would kind of talk a little smack, right? But you've been around that person that they talk a big game about whatever it is. Let's just say it's a golfer. He talks a big game to his friend. When we get on that golf course, I'm going to beat you, right? And they get out there. And the game didn't back the talk. The game didn't back the talk, not even close. The liar, right? He talked a big game, but he didn't back it up. So, he, so, so here, here's where this kind of meets our world. Listen, you might know a lot about the Bible. We might know a lot about the Bible. We might know a lot of Bible verses and have them memorized. We might be able to define justification and sanctification and glorification. We may know a lot about doctrine and theology, but the question is, it's do we know him? Do we know him? I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me is in relationship with me, will not walk in darkness. Do you know him? You know, what was true of the Pharisees we looked at last week could be true of some of us here today. That we, we have all this biblical knowledge and understanding, and, but the pattern of our life shows something different. It's a very profound, challenging truth. The gospel truth is this. So here's the gospel truth. Here's, here's what the gospel does. If the root system's been changed, fruit will be produced. That's the reality of the Christian life. We're not talking about perfection, but if the root system has been changed, fruit will be produced. And so there are no fruitless, Christ there are no fruitless Christians. We are all at different levels of spiritual maturity. But wherever we are in our discipleship journey with Christ, there will be fruit on the branches of our life. So we're not saying that we will never sin. Later on in 1 John, it says, that, that if you say you have no sin, you're a liar and the truth is not in you. We, we will sin as Christians, but if we say that we are Christians, if we say, Jesus, I see you're the light and I declare that you're my disciple, but the pattern of my life is walking in darkness and perpetual sin, then that is not the truth of my life. But if I, if I am a Christian, yeah, I'm still gonna sin. I'm gonna make mistakes. I'm going to fall. But the perpetual pattern of my life is moving towards the gospel, moving towards Christ. And what's powerful is that Jesus is committed to our sanctification. Aren't you glad? He's committed to us becoming like Christ. So we're all at different levels spiritually, but Jesus is committed. You remember in John 17, we're gonna get to it uh, in 2026 probably, but uh, in John 17, do you remember Jesus? Jesus is praying for us as Christians. This is high priestly prayer, and Jesus begins to pray, and he says, Father, I am praying that you would sanctify them in truth. To be sanctified means that we are made more like Christ. He's praying for it. And also, he's committed to it. One of my favorite verses is Philippians 1.6, and I'm sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. 
Has God begun a good work in you? Has he started a good work in you? Yeah. He's committed to bring it to completion at, until the day of Christ. So I, I, I'll say it like this. I'm not where I ought to be. We can all say that, right? I'm not where I ought to be, but I'm not who I used to be. Right? Not where I ought to be, but I'm not who I used to be. So what happens when you follow Jesus? The light comes on. Following Jesus turns on the light. As believers, we can see the world correctly now. And, and secondly, following Jesus will bring life change and sanctification. So if you're here today and you don't see any evidence in your life of transformation because of the gospel, then you need to test yourself to see if you're in the faith. But if you're a Christian and you're struggling with some areas of sin and sanctification, trust the work of the Holy Spirit. Allow the word of God and the conviction of the Spirit to make you more like Christ. Lean into the discipline of the Lord to make you more like Jesus. Because I'm not where I ought to be, but I know I'm not what I used to be. This is what happens when you follow Jesus. What's the last thing as we look at the last reality from this verse? Following Jesus will set a life on fire. It will turn on the light. It will make us more like Jesus, and it will set a life on fire. Again, Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Will not walk in darkness, but will have. Will not, but will have. Don't you love it when scripture does that? This is a reality, and here's a Opposite reality. You will not walk in darkness, but you will have this. What will we have? We will have the light of life, but we'll have the light of life. What does the word life there means? If we're going to have this, right? If you follow Jesus, Jesus says you will have the light of life. What's the word life there mean? It's the word zoe. Zoe. You look it up in your Strong's Concordance. The Greek word for life here is the word zoe. What is Zoe life? It's spiritual life. It's eternal life. It's the Zoe life of God. Only God can give Zoe life. And the only way to get Zoe life, supernatural life, spiritual life, is to, to do what? Follow Jesus. Follow Jesus. Right? So he says, you will have the light of life. He's not talking about bios, biology, our heart, our pulse, our flesh, and our bones, that if you follow him, you'll have that. No, that comes from creation. That, you know, God created our physical body, but to have spiritual life, you have to follow Jesus, and this is the life. It's Zoe life, the life that comes from God and his gospel, a life that is impacted by the abundance of God and his grace. So look, look, look back to the text. Let's look at this Zoe life a little bit more. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the, the light of zoe, the light of life, spiritual life. Now, notice it says there that this zoe, there's a descriptor right before it. It says, we'll have the light of life, the light of zoe. So this word light is describing zoe, the spiritual life of God. It's the word light. That's the word that's describing zoe. What is Jesus saying here? He's saying that this spiritual life that I alone can give you and that I am offering to all, this life, this Zoe life, is like a light. Are you guys tracking with me? I'm doing a little bit, I'm teaching here. Just, just listen, we're, we're, we're breaking down some words. This Zoe life that I alone can give you, spiritual life, is described as light. And I love 
when you, again, look at the meanings of words in the original language, the word light there means torch or bonfire. You ever been, you ever been to a bonfire? I, I, we, we, I, we did a bonfire with the young adults one year. Year one on staff as an assistant pastor. Pastor Nick hired me. I came on staff in January of 2013. So I'm not even a full year in. It's the fall of 2013. And we're doing a bonfire with the young adults. And there's a brother in the young adults that will remain nameless. But some of you in here know who he is. And he had an idea that we were going we to set, set some pallets on fire. And so to my shame, and this should not reflect my leadership now, I agreed to let him do that. And so he went around and, and collected pallets. Actually, they stacked them by the side of my house for weeks. They were getting pallets all over the community, pallets and pallets of, of, from, from, from dumpsters and everywhere, and they're stacking up. And I'm thinking, how many pallets do we need for a bonfire? But he had a plan. So we get to the back of the property, way in the back, back there. And he had three stacks of pallets, stacks, three stacks, kind of like in a triangle. And they were going up about 25 to 30 feet high. And look, this is so bad. He doused them in gasoline. This is really bad. And he had an idea. He wanted to get a, a compound bow and put on the end of an arrow soaked in kerosene or gasoline and light it on fire and shoot it to the pallets. So right before we're about to do this, I said, so look guys, I said, we need some sand. I said, I just, I, I just think we need something to stop this fire. So we got some bags of sand and we put it a, a perimeter all around this disaster waiting to happen. And the guy stepped back. It's nighttime. I said, everyone get as far away as you can. We got as far, we got really far away and the guy was there and he shot his arrow and it went, pew, 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 fell straight down. He tried it again, it didn't work. He finally, he grabbed the arrow, lit it on fire and threw it and it was an explosion. It was an explosion. So just to end the story quickly here, uh, I'm still employed. I'm still here. And I, I, and I became the pastor. So go figure. <laughs> it worked out okay. Uh, but thankfully, we had a, a perimeter of sand because I'm telling you, that fire spread so quick. And when it hit the sand, it stopped. So when it was all done, we had a circle of blackness <laughs> right up into the sand. And we didn't burn down a forest of trees. The word light to describe Zoe life is like a bonfire, much bigger than that bonfire was in 2013. Don't you love that picture? That this Zoe life of God is described like a bonfire, like a torch, like a bright light. And, and if I would have just stopped there in reading the meaning of the word light that describes Zoe, spiritual life, I would have missed out on so much more. I looked at the end of the, the Greek meaning and it says, the people of God. It said, the people of God. So the Zoe life of God that is described as light is described as a torch or a bonfire, and it's described as the people of God. Isn't that good? It's not just something we look at. It's who we, it's who we are. If we follow Jesus, 
Jesus says, I am the light of the world. And if you will follow me, the light will come on. You'll see the world correctly. And then I will begin to work through the power of the word and the Holy Spirit to begin to work in you. And you will have deposited within you. You will become the light of the world. Does that sound familiar? What did Jesus say in Matthew chapter 5 in the Sermon on the Mount? What did he say? He said, you are the light of the world. Wait a minute. How can Jesus be the light of the world and we're the light of the world? When I read it this week, it's like I'd never seen it before. I've, I've read it many times. Like, wait a minute. Jesus says he's the light of the world, but then he says, no, you're the light of the world. Isn't that powerful? You're not as excited as I was last week. I mean, this is amazing. Listen, how's that possible that Jesus can be the light of the world and, and we can be the light of the world at the same time? It's because if we will follow him, he will give us that Zoe life. And that Zoe life is the light that is in us. It's a light that is in us. He said, now listen, make, make no mistake. There's some religions and false religions that will tell us that, that, that we can be like God, right? But Jesus is the light of the world. He's not the light of Jerusalem and of just Judea and Galilee. No, he is the light of the entire world. We are a light that reflects the light, right? That Zoe life in us. You are the light of the world. Look at what the next verse says. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. We don't cover the light. The light just shines. You know how earlier it said in the text that, 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 that those who walk in the light, that those that follow Jesus will not walk in darkness? That it's not possible for them to walk in darkness? as a pattern of their life, they're not gonna walk in darkness. Jesus is saying this here too. He's saying, he's saying that you're the light of the world, and if you're the light of the world, if you light something, you don't put something, you don't put a cover over it, do you? The light is meant to shine, it's meant to dispel darkness. Believers are meant to shine. The Zoe life of God is a people who shine like lights in the darkness. We are a city meant to be seen. Light is not meant to be hidden, but it is meant to be, to be seen. That's what light is designed for, to pierce the darkness, to dispel the night. Why would we ever want to be a Christian who doesn't shine? Why would we ever want to be a Christian who doesn't shine? You know, being a Christian who doesn't shine is like a car with no wheels. Oh, yeah, that's right, car with no wheels. You're not getting very far with a car with no wheels, right? You're right. You've lost the purpose of a car. I, don't, I saw a car on the way to church here today on Bay Black Road, flashers on, nobody in at 6.30 in the morning. I think somebody abandoned their car. It's like a car with no wheels. I, it's, as Christian who doesn't shine, it's like an airplane with no wings. I don't want to go in that. It's like a boat with a hole in it. A Christian who doesn't shine is like a guitar with no strings, a piano with no keys. A Christian who doesn't shine is like the moon not reflecting the energy of the sun to light up the night sky. We are just a reflection. We're like the moon. A Christian who doesn't shine would be like the moon not reflecting the energy of the sun. It is impossible. The moon will always reflect the energy of the sun and light up the darkness. A Christian who doesn't shine is an oxymoron. It's a contradiction. It's an impossibility. So, so Christian, Christian, you are the light of the world because you have 
the Zoe life of God inside of you. The flame has been lit. You are a city on a hill that cannot be hidden. What does the text Jesus said further? In the same way, let your light, this Zoe life of God, let it shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Amen? So, have we answered the question? What does it look like to follow Jesus? Jesus said some bold things there. Follow me. I am the light of the world. If you will follow me, this will not happen, but this will happen. You are going to have the Zoe life of God in you if you follow him. Following Jesus will change everything. We see the world correctly. We see God correctly. We follow Christ in discipleship and sanctification. And I want to end where we started. Did you remember Wayne Grudem? He described the, the glory of God and the brightness and the light of God. I want to end finishing his quote. Listen to this. Quite amazingly, God made us to reflect that glory, his, his glory. Paul tells us that even now in our Christian lives, we are being changed into his likeness from one degree of glory to another. Though we do not now find ourselves surrounded by a visible light, there is a brightness, a splendor, or a beauty about the manner of life of a person who deeply loves God. And it is evident to those around such a person. Amen. Isn't that good? And just like the tour guide, in the caves of Ruby Falls, we have the light of life. And we are called to walk into the darkness and to say, hey, come follow the light. Right? Just like when Scott and his group was in that falls, in that cave, and there was no darkness, hope came walking towards them. In that way, because we have the Zoe life of God, we are called to walk hope towards people who are stumbling in the darkness. That's your calling, Christian. That's our calling as Christians. Would you pray with me? Father, I pray that we would fulfill that calling, that we would, that we would shine forth the Zoe life of God, we would never put it under a basket. That we would never seek to hide it. That we would boldly declare that we would not just walk into the darkness, we would run into the darkness. We would walk hope, run hope to those who were stumbling in the darkness. To give people Christ. To show them that being a disciple of Jesus will turn the light on for them. They'll be able to see correctly. They'll have hope, purpose, and meaning. And I pray that if there's anyone here today that is lacking that hope and that purpose and that meaning, and they have not followed Christ yet. They've not abandoned the ways of the world and repented of their sin and acknowledged their need for a Savior. If they've not done that here today, I pray that they would respond to Christ and his call to follow him. And I pray that as they make that response, that whoever is here that needs to respond, that they would respond and say yes to Christ and that the light will come on, and that they will begin to be the Zoe light of God wherever they go. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. I love you. We'll see you next week.